0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Studio B. I am your host, Pastor Holman. Thank you for joining us again. Make sure that you go ahead and hit that like, that subscribe. Make sure you share, comment uh, so that you don't miss one single episode here on Studio B. Uh, In the studio, in person today, we got Mr. Darren H. Brown, uh, the leadership quarterback. Uh, that has made his professional leadership and training. Uh, it's good to have you in the studio, man. How you doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm just glad to be here, man. And I think we're gonna chop it up and have a good time.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time, man. I'm always excited. Uh, talking to like minded brothers especially Absolutely. in the exchanging of ideas. Uh so so deacon uh, Darren Brown, let me ask you this. Um I heard you, you said Deacon. Yeah, That's all right. You yeah, can I, say it. I, I'm gonna bring, it, I'm bring it back on the other side. We
1: always gonna bring it back. I, I'm, I'm gonna bring That's that back because you know <laughs>
0: one of the things about Studio uh-huh. B we're gonna talk about current events, but we're always gonna tie them into a biblical perspective. That's the foundation. That's the foundation of everything. of everything, right? Of everything. Because we are Christian before we are anything else. Absolutely. Okay. So as you're looking at the landscape of today and what's going on in our environment today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different moving parts, COVID-19, social unrest, protests, yeah. elections, a lot of different moving parts on the scene right now. What's kind of your 30,000-foot view of what's going
1: on? How was it any different than the scripture and revelation? Told us what was going to happen. So my 30,000-square-foot view is we haven't studied to show ourselves approved and be prepared for what's going on. So my 30,000-square-foot view of what's going on is that we are in a time of revolutionary change. We are in a time of, of of rapid technology, and so we are distracted by the wiles of the enemy on so many sides mm-hmm. that we don't just necessarily see what's going on, and we can't process what's going on. Nor do we understand how to change in the process, and that comes back from one scripture on the on a thirty thousand square foot side. Uh, the people perish without vision. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to see it. We have to be able to understand it. Uh, we have to understand how Scripture applies to life, not how the situation applies to Scripture, but how Scripture applies to life and what we're seeing. And we're seeing revelations in real life, playing in real life color.
0: So let me ask you this. So, and, and I'm glad you bring that up because there, there's two different train of thoughts here mm-hmm. that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a secular side, mm-hmm. and we're dealing with a spiritual side. Mm-hmm. Uh, one does not necessarily Speak to the other Nor mm-hmm. vice versa But uh, From a biblical perspective As a Christian mm-hmm. We share a world view That is rooted In the scriptures Yes Okay So any other view Outside of the Bible uh, Is changing And the Bible says Clearly in Hebrews 13 uh, That Jesus is the same Yesterday Today and forever mm-hmm. Malachi chapter 2 I am the Lord And I do not change So the basic foundations Of the, of, of the scriptures Do not change mm-hmm. Now people try to Cherry pick that and choose the interpretation to fit what's going on in the mm-hmm. narrative. But as you're looking at what's going on right now with all of the social unrest and you mentioned Revelation, um, there's a lot of things that the scriptures talk about mm-hmm. that you can't know that's, that that's in life that you can't directly point. Uh, scripture and verse back to the Mm -hmm. Bible, right? So there's a lot of things that the Bible is silent on. Mm -hmm. And then the things that's going on right now in our land, what do you think is driving most of this stuff that
1: we're seeing right now? What I think is driving most of the stuff is a change in value system, right? And so generations. So we have a generation, if you look back to, you know, our generation, our age, you know, 45, you know, 51 years old, let's just say generation X, then a generation before us, what's really driving that? it's 100% technology, technology and value systems. So before, information was closed off, it was, uh, only a certain group of people had access to information, Mm -hmm. only a certain group of people had knowledge, so so much was hidden and it could not be seen. So with the advent of technology and information sharing, so in the business world, we call it globalization. Mm -hmm. And we say in globalization that the world is much flatter, that the world is more intricately interwoven and interconnected. It used to take what almost two weeks to get a package, or excuse me, two or three months to get a package from the U.S. to India on a ship. Now it's flown overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Information travels so fast because of technology. So we're wearing the iPhones, we're wearing the iWatches. We get these news feeds, news bites, 24-hour news cycles. Everything is being shared at rapid speeds. So because of globalization, we have a now we have a old generation where knowledge was power, and only a certain group of people had it, and now we have younger people. Kids are born connected to what? Internet and Mm -hmm. iPhone and social media devices. So a value system is changing from the new generation to the old generation, and with that value system, these young people are more diverse, they're more knowledgeable, more things are coming to light, so you can see today what you couldn't see in the past, and it's making a huge difference.
0: Okay, so let's let's walk with that, uh, Dan, mm-hmm. because I think that's an interesting uh, interesting uh, perspective. In so much as the information age has completely changed. Mm-hmm. The problem with social media is that you view life in snippets, mm-hmm. two hundred and forty characters or less. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're making judgment calls off of snippets of life, and so whereas at a point in time you had to get into that book and read that book, mm-hmm. you had to read a newspaper, you had to get the full context of whatever situation that you were reading. Now that's not the case. We're living in a, as you said, quick, 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 quick news bite every single moment, mm-hmm. news feeds, Twitter, all that other good stuff. And so what that what that does is it provides out of context reactions. Mm-hmm because all we're getting is 240 characters. Mm -hmm. All we're getting is a picture. And because we're living in such an emotionally charged era, people that want to go into the intellectual dark web, they don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. Intellectual conversations where the context matters, are not what's warranted in our day right now. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's one of the things that social media is promoting. While Mm -hmm. social media has tremendous advantages, economically, uh, uh, second streams of income, being able to talk to a cousin on the other side Mm -hmm. of the planet, it has tremendous uh, advantages. But I also think it has tremendous drawbacks. Mm Because we are catching life right now in snippets. And that's how a lot of people are reasoning is from snippets. So give me your give me your thoughts on that.
1: So I agree with you one hundred percent that we're catching life in snippets and it's and it is out of context. However, um it's not about what it is, it's how we adjust to it. So that's why there are platforms like Studio B. That's why there are platforms in in intellectual places where iron can sharpen iron and those conversations can be had. So when you look at what's going on, uh, whether it's in corporate America, whether it's the church, whether it's universities, the issue is how do we deal with our current reality? Because we're not going to change it. So when you look at just these iPhones that we have, we look at what is the iPhone used to be? What what do our cell phones used to be? How many companies have they put out of business? So I'm going to tie it back into what you're talking about. So, a cell phone today is a smartphone. People don't really use computers anymore mm-hmm. because they have smartphones. Mm-hmm. People don't use camcorders today because they have smartphones. They mm-hmm. don't use cameras, compasses, GPS, writing pads, calculators. You can go on and talk about a million things that the cell phone has taken part of because of technology. So, the point is where we are from the perspective of the snippets that we have, it's where we live. And that is the responsibility now of leadership to be certain that they're doing what? That they're narrowing, guiding, leading, and helping people to navigate those certain areas that they may have blind spots or that they're not seeing because of where technology is. If you look at what technology does, it's very distractive. Mm -hmm. My friend Les Brown says, we live in a world of mass distraction. It is. So when you live in a world of mass distraction and you don't have a singular point of focus, again, it goes back to vision. If you take it away from the biblical context, almost every company that you've probably ever worked for before you became a full-time executive pastor in ministry, they had a vision. Mm -hmm. But we grew up in homes without visions. Schools don't necessarily talk about vision. I went to church for 30 years, and the first time I learned about vision, I was probably 34, 35 years old. Mm-hmm. So we lack focus, and when we lack focus, we get distracted by so many things because it's the flash versus the function that we get caught up in.
0: Okay, so 2020, 30,000-foot view mm-hmm. of what's going on, and I'm I'm specifically contextualizing this to America. Mm-hmm. It's not exclusive to America, of course. It's going on all across the world. But America is one of these kind of economies, one of these kind of societies that are able to shape world narratives. Mm-hmm. What's going on in America finds its way to Africa, finds mm-hmm. its way to China, to India, all around the world. It is not not necessarily the other way around. Mm-hmm. So as you're looking at America right now and the, the, the position that it holds on the world stage, in regards to our young people right now, I find it there's, while you're talking about vision, I think that's absolutely um, the case. The problem is, is that we are fostering this environment to where we are not able to share Uh, concise ideas. We're living in cancel culture right now. Mm -hmm. We're living in call-out culture right now. Mm -hmm. So ideas are not mutually shared like Mm -hmm. they're doing right now. If you bring opposing views to a conversation, Mm -hmm. they're not tolerated anymore Mm -hmm. because we are so emotionally charged in the moment to where we can't get the facts to any case. It's because of how I feel. It's because of what I saw. It's because of what I've experienced. And experience does not necessarily relate to truth. Mm -hmm. Just because you experience something does not mean that it's true. But we are now living in a world to where we can't sit down and have those kinds of intellectual conversations to where we can move the needle forward so that all people benefit. And I think that's one of the things that we have to deal with right now in regards to vision, in regards to our young people right now. I think it's terribly tragic because I believe that they're being crippled. I believe that they're being hindered and all of this vigor that they have, all of this wanting to change that they have, which is positive, is being aimed in the wrong direction because we on the other side of us, us leaders, us leaders are doing a horrible job of equipping the upcoming leaders to be focused. We're not doing that. We're putting gas on the fire. And so I think it takes, yes, vision, but I think it takes a holistic approach of being able to say, share your ideas. Let me share mine. We may not agree. Okay. But we can come away with a nugget that I didn't ha- I did not perceive before we talked.
1: So what's interesting, you know, you talked about the cancer culture and you talked about the, you know, the, let's think about the environment that you and I grew up in. You know, we grew up in an environment that says, well, our parents told us what, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Right? Do as I say, not as I do. And and sometimes we have what we call in business, we call it competing values, competing priorities. And how that works is, you know, you have young people who do have ideas. And what we have heard and what even I heard is that, listen, your idea is not correct. You're not thinking correctly, right? That doesn't make any sense versus, as you said, inviting people in to hear them out. And it is a process. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people all the time, I said, we use these words and I, I think we don't have an understanding of what these words mean. So what does process mean? A series of steps and actions. It takes time to develop and nurture a mindset because from a 30,000 square foot view, just think about how many broken homes we have right here in this community and our family, where we come up from. So in terms of how people think, how people think is a product of how they were raised. Absolutely. So if you're raised in brokenness and dysfunction, then guess what your thought sets are going to be? I'll speak for myself. (laughs) Just 10 years ago, I was operating in the best of brokenness and dysfunction. But I thought that I was this brilliant guy. I thought that I was just this amazing guy and I was nothing but the best of brokenness and dysfunction. Now I was still trying to operate in my best and I'm still growing and still, I haven't arrived today. But the key is, how do we, again, from a holistic perspective, begin to rebuild and repair the damage and where do we do it and what's the process to get it done in? Because right now, um, everybody has independent mindsets. What I believe and what I feel matters. And Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. It does. Here's why. Because feelings are facts and everyone has their own truth.
0: Okay. So now you have leading me right into that where we mm-hmm. want to go. Because now it's this thing where this is my truth. This is your truth. Mm-hmm. John 14 and 6, Jesus says, I am the way, mm-hmm. the life, and the truth. Mm-hmm. Those are singular functions. Jesus says, I am the way. He eliminates any other way other than him. He says, I'm the life. There's no other life outside of me. And then he said a very interesting one. He says, I am the truth. Mm -hmm. A singular point of reference in regards to truth. Pilate comes to Jesus and says, man, what in the world is truth? Mm -hmm. He said, what is it? And I think that same question applies 2,000 years later Mm -hmm. in 2020. We have no idea what truth is. It's because people define truth by their experience. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't define truth by experience.
1: We call it relativism.
0: Okay. And Mm postmodernism. Okay. So in this this age where we are redefining truth Mm -hmm. based on what we feel, because you feel it, Darren Brown, does Mm -hmm. not mean that it's true. Mm Just because I've experienced something does not mean that
1: it, it's true. So uh, I was talk- I was having a conversation yesterday and uh, with a very close person in, in, in my life and I, uh, I told him that there's only, outside of, the. let's look outside of Christianity. Let's look outside of our faith. In terms of science, two plus two equals four. That's what we were told, <laughs> right? One plus one equals two. So there are scientific truths and then there are biblical truths. So, when we talk about people understanding the truth, when I'm talking about making a decision or starting a, you know, starting a business, um, where do I go to find the truth of what Christ said about starting a business? What's that truth? When I'm getting ready to make decisions about you know, uh, uh, what type of car I should buy, how does Christ define that truth? So I get, yes, there are biblical truths, and a lot of times, honestly, I think that's where we get stuck sometimes. I think we get stuck sometimes because I've been in church all of my life since I was 10 years old. And so I understand a lot, not all, I understand a lot about what scripture says is true. I understand a lot about biblical truths. I understand about the truth that Christ said how I should walk and how I should behave in the fruit of the spirit and the things that I should and should not do. But where I was making some wrong terms with my family is I didn't understand how to move in this world I didn't understand the truth in how economics worked. I didn't understand the truth in how strategy worked. I didn't understand the truth in how management operating systems work. I didn't understand, like Paul, Paul understood that when I go to all of these places and I'm conducting missions, I didn't understand cultural truth. So there's a number of different truths that we form and we shape ourselves outside of our Christian experience that we have to Make certain that we combine with our Christians' experiences to be the best witnesses on the Great Commission for Jesus Christ. Okay, and those so are now, things that we just don't learn.
0: So, uh, I've said before, um, I hate to call it a moniker. I don't want to mm-hmm. call it a moniker. But your Christian worldview, now I'm specific in the, the context here. Your Christian worldview must dominate your worldview. Absolutely. Not the, not the other way around. Absolutely. That being the case, talking Christian to Christian, mm-hmm. talking the word of God is the word of God. Let me put that to the side. And let's just talk about relative truth. Mm-hmm. Relative truth. There are truths that are true no matter what culture you go to. Mm-hmm. Okay. A truth is you need air to breathe. Yes. If I go to India, I still need air. Universal truth. It's a universal truth, mm-hmm. right? Those truths cannot be manipulated. Mm-hmm. We're living right now in an era that manipulates unmanipulated truth. Mm-hmm. So you're born a male or a female. Period. Okay. Period. That's a universal truth. <laughs> Period. Okay, well, that truth is now being manipulated. Mm-hmm. And it is being replaced with how do you feel? Mm-hmm. And that is the strategy right now of the enemy, Mm -hmm. because the very fundamental thing that cannot be manipulated, the thing that keeps everything together is a universal truth. It does not matter what color you are. It does not matter how much money you got, socioeconomic background, a universal truth is universal. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it applies to everybody and evens out the playing field. Mm -hmm. But when you begin to start to mess with universal truths, that's when you get into all these clicks. And I believe right now, Darren, that's where we are. I'm not even talking about a biblical truth; that's a whole nother conversation. I'm talking about
1: universal truths that I gotta respect you. That's a universal mm-hmm. truth. That's a universal truth. I wonder. I wonder this. You know, when we, when we talk about these universal truths and the things that people begin to mess with, uh, one of the things that I often tell so many people and I share with so many people. I watch, and I heard T.D. Jake say this. He said um, that there are so many different groups in America, in the world, pointing down their, putting down their flag in the ground. But where's the church's flag in the ground? So, and what I mean by that is, I watch, even from a leadership perspective, all of these things going on, and these other truths that people are literally embracing, and they're, as you said, they're trying to fog and put fuzz around universal truths. I believe it's our responsibility 100% to stand up, but it's also to project what those universal truths are. And I don't think that we're doing a good job of projecting those, those universal truths. And so we get distracted trying to fight and play defense versus playing offense.
0: Absolutely, I agree with that. We got to play offense. I absolutely agree with that.
1: We get stuck playing defense, then well, you shouldn't be doing this. And, well, you should well, show them what they should be doing. Go live and go be an example. The, the scripture says, let your light so shine so that men see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Let your light shine. Your gift will make run for you. Go do what you do versus trying to fight and defend. When it comes time to stand and defend, you will be able to stand and defend against that. You can defend the faith, but you're going to play defense all day? Or are you supposed to go? <laughs> that, that's mm-hmm, the, that, mm-hmm. that is Bethel's mission, right? Mm-hmm. Go. You're supposed to go, and you're supposed to be standing, and you're supposed to be the example of what truth and what goodness and what thus says the Lord is.
0: Okay, so now I'm getting into a pastoral spill now. Go, let's go. Okay. Um, because I do believe that the church is in a prime opportunity, in a prime position, especially in this day and age, Mm -hmm. to make a tremendous impact into the world. But the truth is, but the church is being fought against by hell itself. Mm -hmm. So the the truths that are being manipulated into the world are now being forced upon the church. Mm -hmm. So when I make a hard stance to a woman who comes and says that she was born a woman, but she feels like a man, and I make a hard stance by saying, I don't care how you feel. Mm -hmm. It's not about how you feel. That's a social disorder Mm -hmm. that's going on in your head. You are anatomy from your anatomy, born a female. Mm -hmm. Makes no difference if you feel like you're a male. If they come in and say that marriage is between a man and a woman, someone from the outside comes in and says, well, what does that have to do with me loving this man? I want Mm -hmm. to marry the same-sex partner. Mm -hmm. When the church stands on the word of God on that, in which we have mm-hmm. the church is fighting not just an outside war not just some from outside of the world in, in the four walls it's now being crept into the church and now christians are taking these same beliefs and running with them. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get into this whole era right now to where your Christian worldview must dominate. And I'm, I'm not talking about coincide. I'm not talking about being friends with your worldview. Your Christian worldview must dominate your worldview. What, what does that mean? Okay, dominate? so that means my belief, to the core of my belief, must come from a biblical worldview, must come from what thus saith the Lord. I understand, Darren, that that's going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that. So when I say things like, yes, black lives matter, but black lives matter, you can't go out there and start beating up on white people. Yeah. Because, that, watch this, yeah. their life matters just as much as yours. Absolutely. So when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, black people, you over here, white people, you over there, Hispanics, you over there.
1: Let me stop you for a second. But here's what, is, here's what God is going to say Did you love your brother? Did you love your sister? I always believe, and I tell people who run major corporations when I'm traveling all over the world, I say, well, listen, I understand your intent, but how was your approach? Your approach matters. Your approach matters. When scripture tells us to go to our brother and sister in love, what does that mean? And I know some Christians who tear folk down because they have views that they don't agree with. So if the first commandment is to love God with all your heart and your soul, and the second is to love your neighbor, Scripture says, how can you love God who you've never seen, but you don't love your brother? I just don't want us to get into the mindset to hate people who make other decisions. Yes, we're going to stand, and I'm going to make a stand with you right here. Marriage is between a man and a woman that is God-ordained. If you are born a male, then you are a male, biological. If you are born a female, you are born a female. That is my stance. But I'm not going to hate you because you make another Okay, decision. so
0: now let's, now, now let's walk with this, okay, mm-hmm. from a biblical worldview. There are things, Darren, that mm-hmm. we are commanded to hate. Okay. There are things that we are commanded to hate. Now, watch this. People. Hold on. Let things me say this. Things, not
1: people. I no, agree. no,
0: no, no. I, I, I uh-huh. absolutely agree with that. Okay. And so, to your point, to how can you love God, whom you've never seen, but hate your brother, uh-huh. who's made in the very image of God? Okay.
1: I like. I like where draw- like we're going. By
0: here. drawing the line in the sand, right? Uh-huh. Uh, there's a the old parable that, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard the, the parable of the good Samaritan. Yeah. Okay. And then Jesus says this: Who is your neighbor? Uh-huh. Okay. Your neighbor is not the person living right next door to you. Uh-huh. The neighbor is the same person that is drawing air like you are. Uh So white, black, brown, doesn't make a difference. That's your neighbor Uh in the context of the Good Samaritan. Uh So when we're pitting, and right now this is what's going on, we are pitting races against races. Uh We are pitting white against black, black against white. We are pitting civilians against police, police against civilians. Uh We are pitting people groups against Uh other people groups. Absolutely. Now how in the world do we expect that to be manageable and maintainable? How can we do that?
1: You you can't when you're pitting people. When you're purposely pitting people against people, it's the intent, and, and people fall for that. And before you know it, now you have a, you have pervasive hate. That's what you have. You have pervasive hate, and that is, is a contagion. It continues, and it goes, and it festers, and it grows bigger. It's a snowball effect,
0: period. So here's my perspective and the platform of Studio B. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have made a conscious decision to God that I do not want to – add to the situation, Mm -hmm. Uh, to the scripture that you gave, that you are the salt and the light of the world, that men and women should be able to look at your good works and Mm -hmm. give praise unto God. Uh, I want to make it my goal to lift up. Mm -hmm. I want to make it my goal to speak life and encouragement into somebody's Mm -hmm. life, regardless of where you may be good, bad or indifferent. It is my job because of what God has done in my life and what I've experienced to be the hand that lifts up and not the foot that holds Mm -hmm. down. I want to proactively, whether this is on platforms like this, on social media, with posts, is to be actively engaged in lifting people up. Mm-hmm. That is counterculture. So we must be able to have these kind of conversations to where we're saying, what is the good of it? Now, let me just say this, and I want to get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Racism is going to be here until Jesus gets back, y'all. Racism ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Racism is a, is a condition of the heart. Mm-hmm. It ain't got nothing to do with politics. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to change racism without changing the heart. And only God can change the heart. So let me just give a news flash. Racism, prejudice, is going to be here until Jesus comes back. That's a condition of the heart. So I'm not attacking racism on a macro level. Mm-hmm. I can't change that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can change it from a micro level. Mm-hmm. I can change it with uh, personal relationships. Absolutely. And then when I change it on a micro level, when I change it in that one young person, guess what he going to do? Change it in somebody else. Change it in somebody else. Discipleship. So here's what we're doing, Darren. Mm -hmm. We're trying to tear down the system. Mm -hmm. We're trying to rip it down, Mm -hmm. burn it down. It's all messed up. Mm -hmm. Defund the police. Mm -hmm. Let's just rip it all out. (laughs) No, seriously. Let's just rip it all out. You can't do that Uh, because it's not effective, it's not uh sustainable. And so we're approaching this thing from a macro level, which is going to take us eons upon eons to do as opposed to coming along somebody and say, hey, man, let's walk together. I may not agree with
1: you, but let's walk. So I'm very careful. Uh, so I, I get where you're going. I'm very careful about what we can't do. We've seen many times where God is destroyed. God, God has, has, destru- has ordered destruction where he sent his armies in to destroy certain lands and tear down. Planning plenty, a bunch in the Bible. For instance, uh, Ecclesiastes, is it it three Um, or is it 15? There's a time for everything.
0: Ecclesiastes three.
1: There's a time for everything, a time for war, a time to tear down, a time to rebuild. There is a time for everything. So who's to say we can't do what? God is in the business of tearing down corrupt systems and regimes. So when we say we can't tear it down, why? So I'm going to tell you why.
0: Because when you're dealing with the human heart, Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 17 and 9, Mm -hmm. the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it?
1: You You cannot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can go back to Genesis. You can go back to Genesis 6 and 5 where God looked at the intent of the heart of man and they said every intent of the heart of man is evil evil at all times.
0: But morality cannot Mm -hmm. be legislated. Uh It cannot be legislated Mm -hmm. because there is one fixer of the heart. There is one fixture of the heart. Mm-hmm. There's only one person that can take a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Only one. So politics, protesting, cannot change the heart. Mm-hmm. That's a God thing. And if we're going to try to change it from a macro level, then the church, as the church just did in in South in, in Columbia last week, the entire nation, the entire city got down on their feet on their face and bowed down to God. Mm-hmm. Just what happened in, 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 uh, in Jonah's day. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to attack it from a macro level, we got to attack it from that thing. But here's what God tells us to do. I can affect my community by affecting you. Mm-hmm. That's a much more disciplined and a much more measurable approach than me going out there throwing Molotov cocktails through windows.
1: Okay, so I would agree. From a violence perspective, I do not condone, do not promote violence at all. I do promote making certain that we consistently hold the system accountable. For instance, I was sharing with someone just today. Why is it that even with all the atrocities that happen in America, when we talk about affecting different people, why is it, and I'll turn it over to you because I know our break is coming, why is it that we still have failed to share the atrocities in a open perspective that has happened to African Americans in this country and our history books in school and everywhere else.
0: Talking about, um, you asked the question about why um, are we not exposed to the atrocities uh, in America from a much more uh, direct uh, uh, perspective. Let me, let me segue into that, let me back mm-hmm. into that and then I'm gonna allow you to expound on it. Mm-hmm. Um, America in its 240 year plus history, Um, was founded on some principles that I believe um, were not only racist, um, I'm going to put a word, they were terribly racist. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody that is a student of history can go back to the founding of America and look at how it built this empire that we now reside in. And it built this empire off of, you know, the killing of indigenous people like the Indians and, and uh, free labor like slaves. And so there is a, a history, a marred history to America that cannot be denied, cannot be denied. There is also when you're looking at the reconstruction period, when you're looking at the civil rights era, when you're looking at all of these particular spots where you say, as you said in the last segment, where God has initiated that change. God came in and said, "Okay, now it's time for some things to change. He lifted up a man like a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was a devout Christian and put this Baptist preacher on the world stage to say these kind of things that are happening in America need to change and they need to change right now. So God institutes and God infiltrates time to bring those kind of changes about. So here's my perspective on that. Nobody can deny that there. Nobody can. Mm -hmm. But this idea that 2020 Mm -hmm. is like 1920 Mm -hmm. and that black America right now in 2020 are so oppressed and systematically held back, like my grandmother was mm-hmm. having to go to the white water fountain and the black water fountain, is not only, uh, and I want to be very respectful, is not only, uh, I think, irrelevant, I think it takes the attention off of moving the conversation forward. Mm-hmm. Because we are not in 1920. While we still have not crossed over the Yellow Brick Road, we cannot uh, walk down the street seeing Kumbaya. Mm-hmm. Darren, we have made tremendous progress, tremendous progress in America. Now, America still has its stuff, but again, I'm saying that the stuff that still exists, the economic gap, the, the educational gap, the judicial reform that we have to have, the social reform that we have to have, political reform that we have to have, those are all grassroots issues that we have to sit down at the table and bring some solutions to. But this idea that is continually propagated, that you are held back because you're black in America in 2020 is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Now, are there some challenges? Absolutely. Are there some barriers? Are you still gonna have some racist people? Absolutely. Are you gonna have some people that are just downright ignorant? Absolutely. But that's par for the course. Of course you're gonna come up with challenges anytime you're trying to do something great. So when you're talking about why has not America uh, um, been exposed to the atrocities that that has been perpetrated in this land, I think we do need to put the focus on that. We do need to shine a light on that so that the masses understand that. But we also got to empower people to say, nothing is holding you back. What's holding you back?
1: So here, here's what's interesting. And, and, and here's where you can combine what you understand from a scriptural perspective from y- y- understanding how the world works. You ever heard of barriers to entry? Mm-hmm. Barriers to entry is where, let's say, Coke and Pepsi. Why do you think there's not another major soda brand in the world? Oh,
0: so, because they have conglomerated the, the, the market. They've
1: cornered the market. Absolutely. So they fight on the fringes and then is barriers to entry to get into it. Mm-hmm. See, so they partnership. See, mm-hmm. It's partnership. Why do you think there's only two parties, Republican and Democrat? Because there's barriers to entry. See, you can't create another party. Why do you think there's no black owners in the NFL? Because there's barriers to entry. Why do you think there's only four African-American leaders of Fortune, Fortune 500 companies? 500 companies, there's four African-American leaders. Why? Why have we only had one black president? Barriers to entry. That's a whole other topic. Whole no, we need to topic. stay there, though. No, we need to stay there. No, we need listen, to stay there. listen. Because we need to talk about this. Okay, there's barriers to entry that prevent us. So when you say what's holding us back, it's not. No, I don't have the idea that we're the same. I believe that every generation has their own fight. This is our fight to move the fight forward. So instead of being complacent about what we have, then we need to be looking for not only equality, but we need to be looking for equity to make certain that we have equal opportunity. And we don't have equal opportunity. I'll touch right here. Listen, we could talk about redlining and tax bases. Why do you think H-I- HISD is one of the worst school districts in the, com- in, in the country? Because of the tax base, because of redlining, because of development, because of all of the pawn shops in the communities, because of the corner liquor stores. You don't find that in Sugar Land, you don't find that in the woodlands. <laughs> the laws are still here. And so, what we have to do is we have to be certain that we understand what barriers of entry are. We have to understand how we literally get into the game. Yes. They got a bunch of us living good lives. They got a bunch of us making six figures, mid six figures, two, three hundred thousand. Okay, that, that's all good. But what about everybody else because of barriers of entry? And so for me, I want people to understand what the barriers of entry are. How do we, and I just gave you some examples just now. Some, some concrete examples.
0: Okay, so barriers of entry. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're talking about black America as it relates to 2020, in this contextual framework. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking about the progress that has been accomplished, it is never to say that we stop there. Mm -hmm. It is never to say that. Mm -hmm. It is the job of every generation to make the world a better place for the generation following. Fight the good fight. Okay. That goes all the way back to my ancestors, Mm -hmm. great-grandfathers, great-grandmothers. I am exponentially better off than my grandmother was. Mm And her grandmother was. And by God's grace, my kids will be exponentially better off than I was. I agree. So my ceiling will be their floor. Mm -hmm. That is a job of every single generation. Mm -hmm. So while we don't look at progress and say, look at what's happened, now we stop and get complacent. Mm -hmm. No, we don't do that. But what we also don't do is say, I am held back because of that. Now, when you're talking about redlining, Darren, Mm -hmm. let's break this thing down. Let's break it down from an economic standpoint the four-year election ain't the most important election. No, it's the two-year election. Okay, so when you're talking about redlining districts and you got representatives that have been in office for 30 years and hasn't done anything to economically advance that community or that district that they are governing over, but they continually get voted into the same office over and over and over again, that has nothing to do with the White House.
1: Stop for a second. Let me ask you a question. How do people from single-parent households where mothers and fathers are both on drugs and they live in an economically depressed situation, how do they learn this stuff?
0: But why is it always that? Let See, me that's what, you, what look, I don't look, understand. Look, 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 that's what on. I don't understand. So
1: let me tell you why. See, I can only speak from my experience, right? So you know I'm two months away from, a doc, from, from, from my doctorate, from a PhD, two months away. I come from Night Ward, New Orleans. My mama died when I was nine years old. We were separated from her when I was seven. My dad was on crack cocaine from the time I was 11 to the time I was 30. There was nobody to teach me that. There was. I'm speaking from my experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Forget everybody, I'm telling uh-huh. you my truth. Uh-huh. Forget everybody else. Mm-hmm. There was only certain behavior that I saw in my community, certain things that we discussed, so the social learning principle kicked in, the social learning theory. You know just as much as the five people who influence your life the most. So if I saw my dad in the living room smoking crack every day, and that's what him and his friends did, and that's what, and they were some of my friends' parents. What are you? What, what, what conversations were we having? What were we talking about? We weren't talking about two-year elections. We weren't talking about the importance of understanding who you, who the district attorney is, who gets voted in for sheriff, who are your local congressman and senator. We weren't having those conversations. All we knew is what was indoctrinated into our minds. So now, that's it. Now, we also know the school's not teaching this, so now I'm getting ready to go. The church need to teach this stuff. The church need to have, but guess what? Excuse me, but we go right out of service, right out of church service, and then we go to Sunday school and teach the same thing. The church need to be teaching why. Who else going to teach this if, if the church not teaching this? If the church not teaching <laughs> oh. it, who else going to teach it? So, is schools teaching it? Uh, some schools are. So <clears throat> Some schools are. In H.I.S.? Nah, okay, let me, listen, okay. I, I get it, but here's what I'm here's, okay. I, I'm talking about holistically. Okay. So listen, don't give me with the, the one or two or three. No, I'm not. Don't I'm give not. me the kips, right? Listen, all I'm saying is on a holistic perspective, if we know that parents are suffering from ignorance, I didn't say they're ignorant, I said they're suffering from ignorance, meaning a lack of knowledge. If they don't know, I'm a man who my dad was in Jim Crow. My dad is 77, 78 years old. He was in Jim Crow, I'm 47. So between my dad being in Jim Crow, barely having a high school education, my mom being deceased when I was nine, what do you think I learned? So what do you think I taught Darius? Okay,
0: but that's what I'm saying. Because, uh, so going back to your original point. The church got to teach this stuff. Okay, but we're living in a information age, There, Like right now, going back to your first point mm-hmm. in the first segment, mm-hmm. information is always changing. It's always coming in every single direction. All you got to do is just reach your hand out and you're going to grab some information. That doesn't change so, the So knowledge, from, so knowledge, mm-hmm. so knowledge is available. Uh It's available. It's not even necessarily designed to a school. Now, I'm one of these guys that do not believe that college is for everybody. I'm not one of those guys. So I don't push college on everybody.
1: I agree with you. College is not for everybody. Knowledge is available. But we talked earlier about the wiles of the enemy, the distractionary things. The church has a captive audience and in that captive audience, if the church could begin to develop on a Christian foundation, everything based on Christ, and develop programs where there's levels of, okay, salvation. Jesus here is what thus says the Lord now in order to be an effective disciple here you must understand this about culture you must understand this about vision you must understand this about strategy you must understand how to build from the bottom up
0: okay but you, you but but your assumption is that churches are not doing that
1: that's not that's not an assumption you're talking to Deacon Brown right here so you're you ta- but, you so, hold on. You're talking to somebody who's been in not all churches okay so let's qualify because again man that's what that, that's my problem
0: uh-huh. we put everything. Everything into this box. Uh And if you don't fit into this box, then you're wrong. Every church is not out there doing the same thing. No, I I don't mean to put it in the box. box. And and so when I'm talking about a holistic church, Mm -hmm. I know this for a fact because I'm a part of a holistic church. Mm -hmm. That not only does the preaching, not only does the salvation, but to put food in your stomach, fix your teeth, give you a place to get on the computer, get some education in your mind, take you across the world on every different level. You need a job, we'll get you a job. Mm -hmm. All of those different levels. We are a part of a ministry that does Mm -hmm. that. So when we group everybody into this box, Mm -hmm. your story is not unique. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point in time in your life, Darren, you made a conscious decision Mm -hmm. that affected the rest of your life. I didn't make you could have went back to the same partners mm-hmm. that I know. You go into your head, there's some partners that didn't make it out the night mm-hmm. Ward. Mm-hmm.
1: Listen, I didn't make that decision on my own. It's because I had mentors. Okay. It, listen, it's because I had mentors. Somebody it, it, pulling you up, right? Listen, y- you were one of my mentors. I want to <laughs> praise God. i make sure y'all catch that. Listen, you were one of my mentors. I was just telling my wife yesterday, right? I said, well, you know, I go t- uh, talk to Pastor Holman tomorrow, and I said, dramatically, my life changed when I began to sit under his teaching. So I was already doing some things already, but I was nowhere close to where I was when I left, sitting under your teaching, sitting under how you helped me to understand and break those things down. And listen, and how just the example I'm, I'm gonna give some, you know, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna give praise to where praise is due, credit to where credit is due. Just looking at the example that you and Pastor August set on what it takes to be a man, a man for your family and stand up. Absolutely. So guess what? I took that and I went built on it. I said, okay, now I have the strongest Christian biblical foundation I've ever had in my life. Now let me go out here and get some of this other knowledge. Let me go Mm -hmm. travel the world and see how you build businesses from the ground up. And as a consultant, as I travel and build business and I do organizational design and leadership development and executive coaching and organizational effectiveness, now I say, oh, that's how you do that. That's how you make that work. But I didn't do it on my own. I did it because someone was constantly in my ear. Mm -hmm. And here's all I'm saying. I'm not putting all of the churches in one bucket and say, this is what's not being done. I'm saying we need to do more of it. Yeah. And I agree with that. Yeah. We need to do more of it. We need to be certain that, for instance, I'll give you a perfect example. I've been to a number of different churches and guess one of the things that I don't hear talked about from a holistic perspective helping people to understand their purpose, the reason why God pre- for God foreknew you, was Romans 29, 28 mm-hmm. 29, mm-hmm. right 29, he predestined you, helping people to understand their purpose, the why of their existence. Mm-hmm. Even from their purpose, now I've seen people teach spiritual gifts, but your spiritual gifts were given to you, yes, for edification, to use it the and you still could use them whether you have vision or purpose or not. But they can be channeled Insignificant if you understand the pathway of your purpose and the vision to accomplish your purpose. I don't hear that going on.
0: So you're talking about the same thing that I'm talking about, Dan. Mm-hmm. You're talking about hitting this thing from a micro level. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and and again, we have to be very, very intentional, man. We mm-hmm. are given a short amount of time on earth. I'll be mm-hmm. 47 next, uh, next month. I got two kids in college. Man, life is, life is going by like that. Life is, life is but a
1: vapor. It's vapor, but a right? vapor.
0: So we are given a short amount of time to be very, very effective. And in that time, we have to be extremely focused in how mm-hmm. we accomplish and what God has sending forth mm-hmm. for us to do. How did God, through Jesus Christ, how did he affect the world? He took 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. He took 12 disciples on a micro level, mm-hmm. poured into them. And then you get to the book of Acts and you'll find these words. These are the men that turned the Roman Empire upside down. But it happened at a micro level. It happened not by trying to rip down the system system or the the, the system of Rome in that day. It wasn't that. Jesus didn't, he he went in there not to turn over Rome. In Acts chapter number one, verse number eight, when they was getting ready to go up, here's what the disciple says. Lord, are you going to, are you bringing the kingdom back? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, That ain't got nothing to do with you. Yeah, you, ain't, worried, ain't for, you worried about the you wrong thing. Uh, ain't for you to know it. You worried about the wrong thing. You stay here, get some power, and when that power come, you're going to go out and do what I want you to do. So
1: here's what you just said just now, and I, and I agree with you fully. You said he did it on a macro level, that was leadership development. He took 12 disciples. So when you look from the end of Matthew chapter 3, it wasn't until he got the Holy Spirit exactly at the end of Matthew chapter 3, then the Holy Spirit led him up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That was his personal development. And then after the angels came and ministered to him and got him back together, it says Jesus begins his Galilean ministry. So he got the Holy Spirit. He went through his own developmental process. He got back together, then he started his Galilean ministry, and he went out and recruited. Scripture says that he was while he was walking, ING, on the Sea of Galilee, because he had the Holy Spirit, he saw the first two. Then going, ING, on from there, Jesus went out and recruited. And all through, as he recruited his disciples, and he poured into those 12, and you can clearly see all the way through Matthew, because Scripture says that he went out healing, preaching, doing all these things to multitudes. Why they followed behind him and watched? So from mm-hmm.
0: where we are in 2020, this toxic environment that we are in. He talked about the barriers to in, uh, entry. We talked about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Darren, I th- the facts are the facts, mm-hmm. right? There is not a more time in history, through the 240 plus year history of America, where blacks are as educated as we've ever been. Mm-hmm. Graduating with four-year degrees, graduate degrees, home ownership is going through the roof, business ownership is going through the roof. We are now seeing an economic boom in black America now. I will tell you this. I do believe that at times we put our attention on the wrong thing. Because not everybody's going to be a Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to be a Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm a constant believer that you have to redefine what success is. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not going to be a PhD. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not going to travel the world. Mm-hmm. But I do believe you need to bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that happens on a micro level. So if you are a trash man, as Martin Luther King said, be the best trash man that you're ever Mm going to be. If you're going to be a sweet sweeper, he said the angels will come down and marvel at the ones who sweep this street. Mm -hmm. And whatever you do, just do it to the best of your ability in that place. That's the idea that I believe black America is missing Mm -hmm. because we are continually telling other black people what they can't do. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that is a flawed practice as opposed to taking that black person wherever they may be. So, ninth Ward, Third Ward, Fifth Ward, Sunnyside, no parent, single mother, dad done left, eye, drug, whatever, and say, hey, come on, I'm willing to walk with
1: you. So th- there there was a commercial that came on, uh, used to come on for the military uh, back when we were younger. And maybe it still comes on today, but be all you can be in the Army. Be all that you can be in the Army. <laughs> you remember that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what I believe. So so you said bloom and grow where you are. I believe, especially those of us who are saved. So every man was created in God's image. So that means that everybody was given God-given talent. But those of us who are saved and have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit, so we have spiritual gifts. I believe my perspective is a little different than yours when it comes down to where people are blooming where you can be. I want people to be the best that they can be. I don't want them to settle. So if, if, listen, I'm always gonna ask you, is that what you were called to do? Because I know very well from my own personal experiences because I was one of them. People will get complacent working at Frito-Lay because they're making $75,000 a year. People will get complacent, think they arrived working at Coca-Cola because they made $80,000 a year. Get complacent but I had so much more in me. And it took me understanding Romans, and understanding Hebrews, and and, and understanding Bible study methods, and understanding really what God was telling me that he's called me to a life of success and abundance. Now you're right, success is defined different for everyone. So you can't put a measure on success for someone else. But what you can ask them is, are you living the life that you were called to live? Are you operating in your purpose? And is there more for you? And I do agree, college ain't for everyone, but education is. Absolutely. Education Absolutely. is. Absolutely. I tell people all the time. I said, I'll never, I said, listen, I will never throw college in your face, but I will throw a YouTube video in your face. <laughs> <laughs> right? I will throw an audio book because it's important that we educate ourselves. So all I'm saying is, yes, bloom where you are, but God is a God of of, of, of prospering and moving forward. So everything that God wants to do in our lives, he wants to see us prosper. He wants to see us grow. Remember, he shared his creative attributes with us. So he didn't just give us our existence because we're going to have to account for those talents. We're going to have to account for them. So Matthew you, 25, 14 through 30. We're going to we're gonna have to be accountable to those talents he gave us.
0: So you get no disagreement with me on, on those points. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm saying, Darren. And I think it's an agreement. Uh, Jesus was a carpenter.
1: Mm-hmm. And so much more. And but, so, but he was a carpenter. Ooh, you don't, okay. be, be careful on that no, road No, no, right no, 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 no. Be We're careful on that road. we okay. talk about that. Okay.
0: Because as he was going through calling certain men, he was very detailed in the men that he called. Mm-hmm. The only two men that followed Jesus closely that had education, mm-hmm was Paul and Dr. Luke. Mm -hmm. The only two. Mm -hmm. He was very, very meticulous about who he called. Mm -hmm. He called fishermen, Mm -hmm. tax collectors. So much so that when the people in Acts chapter number four saw them, here's what they said. They knew that these were unlearned men. Mm -hmm. But here's what they also said. They knew that they had walked with Jesus. And so here's what I believe. We underestimate the value of hard work Mm -hmm. on whatever level. You can be an excellent man with integrity, taking care of your family, but you get up and work on a garbage truck all day. You are fulfilling that particular purpose that God has assigned to your life. Now, what we do is take IQs from this thing, Mm -hmm. and we say, well no, that can't be living in your purpose. Mm -hmm. You're working at McDonald's, that can't be living in your purpose. You are worth so much more than making fries. Well, somebody's gotta have that. that. That particular job has been assigned to somebody. And as long as you're doing it with integrity and with character, and you are putting in that hard
1: day's work, that should be valued. I agree, and I wanna separate this for our audience. It's not about you can't be, or but you still can ask somebody, are you? Because that's how you create self-awareness. And that's one of the purposes of leadership. To be able to cre- create self-awareness in people so that they can reflect, so that it can, so they can have introspection, so that they can look within. So when they go to their meditation time, when they go to pray in their quiet spot, right? And then God can speak to them because now their minds are open because you ask them the question. So when you ask the question to someone, here's what it does. Questions take people on a mental journey. And that's one of the things that we have to Also off subject, we got to get better at versus telling people what they need to do. We have to learn how to ask the right questions.
0: And encourage them
1: to do it. And encourage them to do it, right? So touch on Jesus real quick. Jesus was a carpenter, but Jesus was also an optometrist. Jesus gave sight to the blind many times. Jesus was a ship captain. Jesus was a cook. Jesus was a teacher. Now, you know Jesus you've been was to give a doctor. You better go to go. Listen, listen. To, <laughs> listen, hold on. I get where you're going. I get I'm, where you're going. Listen, Jesus, I get where you're going. So, he was the model. I get what you're going. He was the model. And so, it's very important for us, and especially us as leaders, yes, somebody has to have those jobs. The person whose purpose it is has to have those jobs. So, there's nothing wrong with me asking someone or you asking someone, hey, is this your why? Is this your purpose? It's part of my purpose from a a discipleship perspective to make certain that people are operating where they're supposed to be operating so that they can make the impact they need to make because if people are out of position then they can't make the impact they're supposed to be making.
0: Okay, so so now let's bring this to a to 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 a com, uh culminate this. Mm-hmm. So as you're looking at what's going on right now in the world, and as you're looking at all the different things that are going on, all the things that are converging all at the same time. Uh, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you guys a quick look, we're going to be doing a political series starting in October, leading up to that all important day on November the third, about the Christians' perspective and the Christians' role in politics. So be looking for that. But there's a thing that I think that we all share, and that is, but um, let me let me say it for mine. I don't want to impose that on you. I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this. The Bible says that with God, no things are nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. There are some things that are impossible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's not a blanket statement. I can't say that with God, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. Because you still can't walk through that wall with God. Mm -hmm. There are some things that are limited. So that's not what that scripture means. Terrestrial. Yeah. So when when I'm talking about what is our role as Darren Brown and as Pastor Holman in in 2020, you have a story. Mm -hmm. Your story inspires. Mm -hmm. I was just watching uh, the No Limit Chronicles with Master P, and Uh, I was amazed. I mean, I knew some stuff, you know, some bits and pieces, but I was amazed that this brother took $10,000, and I wasn't even amazed so much as the $10,000, but I was amazed at how every time a door got shut in his brother's face,
1: he got right back up. But we don't talk about resilience. Necessarily, but watch this. What, ain't he For, from Calio? No, I don't know. He, he, he from he, listen. He from Third Ward, New Orleans, Calio up to Uptown.
0: Okay, so, so I've I heard about. it. I, listen, mean, I don't know what that is. The, but. Bro,
1: the brother had resilience. The brother had focus. He had vision. He had a strategy. He had commitment. He understood what, and he's still doing it today. And that's so he's so still he,
0: doing it. And so he is. When I'm looking at those chronicles, the brother took down the Calliope apartments and rebuilt this, the, just some amazing stuff. There. So why not take, why not take the masterpieces of the world, mm-hmm. the Darren Browns? Why not take the Walter Augusts? Stick them up for the world mm-hmm. to see. As opposed to pumping everybody in this same box, everybody's in this box, and we say, well, you can't, you can't, you can't. Well, here go some guys that did. Who's saying you can't? Well, here go some guys that overcame the very
1: same things that you're going through. We need to check those people who saying people well, can't. Well,
0: that's my point, Dan. Mm-hmm. I believe that you need to be doing this. We need to be doing this on a much more intentional level. So when you're talking about why not we putting up, um, you know, why is not America talking about the atrocities of the past more? When's the last time you saw somebody hanging from a tree? It's there. Don't get me wrong. Please do not deny history. Three weeks ago. Who? Yeah. Oh, I know, okay. See, <laughs> see I, I knew it was gonna go there.
1: <laughs> Three weeks ago. I knew listen, it was gonna go there. Hold on, listen. There. You said when the last time. I don't know if it's validated if it's okay, true. Okay, that, okay. I don't know if it's validated if it's true, but listen, those were reports. Now, now here's the thing we follow each other on Facebook. You ain't seen that on my page. You ain't seen that no, on my page by no means. No, but yeah. then this
0: is what pervasive, uh, uh-huh. that is what's pervasive in our culture. Uh-huh. You're on the show right now, not because you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh-huh. But because you have a story. Mm -hmm. Somebody's watching that. Somebody's watching uh, Studio B right now. That's from the Ninth Ward. Mm -hmm. You just said that your mom died. died When I was nine. And your dad was on crack.
1: Eleven till I was 30.
0: Okay, that's somebody that can say, man, that's my story. Mm -hmm. And then you just said that I'm two months away from my PhD. Two months. Okay, so why not put those people front and center for all the camera and say, look, black America, you can do it.
1: I agree. I, we don't have a disagreement there. Okay, so let's, I want to go one step further. Okay, I don't just want to put us in front of the camera. I want to show people how it's done. That's always been my fight.
0: So, Mr. Darren Brown, let me just tell you, um, uh, brother. Um, one of the platforms here at Studio B is, um, by which I believe God has laid upon mm-hmm. my heart, is to merge, uh, to present a biblical worldview over whatever situation may be going on. Absolutely. Now the Bible, says, the Bible says that there is no problem that is taken to you for such as common to man, but mm-hmm. God is faithful and with the temptation provide a way of escape. I believe that Studio B offers an opportunity to merge whatever that life situation is to a biblical principle. I agree. Uh, because I believe that the Bible works. Mm-hmm. I believe that the Bible is inerrant, and I believe that God's word is true. And I believe that no matter where you are in life, good, bad, or indifferent, no matter what problems you may be facing, God through the Holy Spirit, God through whatever He has purposed and planned for your life, is able to take you out of whatever situation that is and take you to where He wants you to be. Mm-hmm. I believe if that universal message can be applied from a thirty-foot, 1000 uh, uh, view down, I believe it's just going to help so many more people, as opposed to continually focusing on the problems and the barriers and all the things that are wrong. Let's start to shift the focus. Let's start to put people in a better light. Let's start to give people the options and some education where they can do better in life, mm-hmm. as opposed to continually every single day news after news story, social media post after social media post. Let's try lifting people up.
1: One of the key points that you know I've learned uh, through my latter years, say over the last you know uh, eight years, from people like John Maxwell and people like Les Brown and Eric Thomas and some of the best speakers in the world. Um, people prefer entertainment more than they prefer education. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of Les Brown and John Maxwell's biggest secrets is, you entertain people to a point, and the moment you get them engaged, you hit them with some real knowledge. And that absorbs into their spirit, because people, put up a post on Facebook, about So you're Pastor Holman, executive pastor. You have some you know, followers, because people who've watched your walk, mm-hmm. right? So you have some followers. Put up an educational post on Facebook. People do not engage.
0: No, they don't. They don't want to engage. I, that, you're right. Excuse
1: my language on Studio B, but put up a shirtless man or a girl with her butt half out and all Mm -hmm. this, and you get 1,000, 4,000 comments. Absolutely. I love Plaz, man. (laughs) Look look at the, look at the, look. Plaz be on there talking about some crazy stuff, but look how many followers he has because he's entertaining people. But Plaz is also smart because as soon as he catch you slipping, he'll come back with another video and say, hey, guys, I just want to be serious for a minute. Let me talk to you about some real stuff that's going on in the world. So, Away from plaza, back to what John Maxwell and Les Brown and some of my mentors and some of the stuff that they shared with me. Because people value entertainment. We live in a world that loves flash more than it loves function. Mm -hmm. People value entertainment more than they do education. So you have to be able to engage people where they are in the mindset that they are because otherwise, I know this from personal experience. I used to come with the intellectual side at all times and I pushed so many people away. Absolutely. And I had to go back and figure out, okay, how do I rebrand myself? How do I not sound like a Mm know-it-all, right? And how do I make certain that I use the right approach to attract people because that's what leadership is about, right, leadership is about leading, guiding, and influencing people towards a common outcome or a better outcome, right? So the key is, You have to entertain people where they are because that's what they pay attention to. And the moment you get them engaged, then you have to hit them. That's why pastors tell so many stories. The best pastors in the world tell stories and then they hit people with the truth. The stories are true, but they they use storytelling as a way to do what? To get people engaged and involved and people follow that story and they get emotionally connected and then before you know it, They're getting hit with some hard truth.
0: Well, that's how Jesus did it in talking with parables. With parables. Um,
1: So it it is the same thing. So you have to engage people where they are because even as, as Paul said, I speak to you carnally because I spoke to you spiritually, you wouldn't understand. That's what Jesus did with parables. He spoke that way because that's how people understood it. And then he hit them with the real truth.
0: So as we're looking right now, uh, Dan, I want to thank you so much um, for coming on the set of Studio B. Uh, everybody that's watching, I hope that um, this platform is providing you with some uh, a framework that... Uh, enhances you after this show is over. You walk away better than you did the, when this uh, show came on. I want to thank you for uh, coming on uh, Studio B, Darren. It's been a pleasure, man. Uh, you know we do follow each other, man. I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you. You're a good dude.
1: Yeah, well, you. Listen, you're a
0: good dude, man. I've
1: already given you a kudos. No, already, you're a good right? dude, man. So, you're a good dude. Well, my family, uh, thank you. My grandson, thank you. Well, praise the Lord, right?
0: man. You got um, and, and I'm excited because. I genuinely like to see people, not like, I genuinely love to see people do well. Mm -hmm. Congratulations, man, on your upcoming PhD. I know you work very, very diligently with that. Um, God's opening up some tremendous doors, man, and I'm excited for the process and looking forward to what God's going to do in your life. And for those who are watching Studio B, make sure that you like, subscribe, uh, subscribe, make sure you go to our YouTube page, hit that little button, that little bell to the right so that you don't miss one episode from Studio B. We'll catch you all next week.